Welcome to 10,000 More, the podcast that explores the topics of grief, mental health, love, and everything that intertwines that all together. I'm Ruby Falk, and whatever it is that brought you to me, I'm very grateful for it. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining me yet again. When I started this podcast, I brainstormed a list of topics I wanted to discuss and how I wanted the episodes to look, and I think one of the first ideas that I jotted down was addressing my anxiety and depression. These are two mental health conditions I never faced prior to losing my dad, so it was important to me that I shared my experiences pretty shortly after starting 10,000 More. I had a very different idea of how these conditions actually manifested themselves in a real-life human being. You see commercials for people who are depressed, and the picture goes to black and white, and they're sitting inside while everyone around them is at like a picnic or something, and then maybe they get up and look longingly out the window at everyone having fun without them, and the picture fades to color, so super dramatic. Uh, But so as someone who had never before struggled with any sort of anxiety or depression-related issues, I was blindsided by my experience. The first and only panic attack I ever had was about two months after my dad died. My husband and I had a pretty packed weekend of family events in Baltimore for his youngest cousin's bar mitzvah. Under normal circumstances, I find jam-packed weekends unpleasant. Under these circumstances, I found it unmanageable. I was getting ready for his party and I became unhinged. I couldn't breathe. I was screaming at my husband and went under my covers in bed and wouldn't let him into the room. I didn't know what to say to people. I felt like I had no idea how to relate to anyone anymore now that my dad was dead. It was like my entire identity had changed and I wasn't ready to talk to anyone until I figured out who I was going to become. So I thought to myself, all right, this behavior is a little out of character, but We'll just chalk this up to me not wanting to be around loads of people tonight and we'll move on. But it wasn't an isolated incident. It was isolated in that it was on the extreme end of the anxiety spectrum, but it wasn't the last time I lost sight of who I was and just let that concept overtake me. When I first started going to therapy right after I lost my dad, I was going twice a week. The session started out as cry fests. It was hard for me to get words out or really articulate anything I was feeling other than hopeless. And I noticed that this was the first time in my life that I felt hopeless. I never before would have used that word to describe a state of emotion. I was also very new to anxiety. I'll be totally honest, I never really got it. When I heard people say they had, quote, anxiety, I thought to myself, just relax, you'll be fine, stop freaking out. After experiencing a true panic attack, I thought, all right, now I get it. My therapist and I tried to work on calming strategies for when I felt overwhelmed or consumed by my hopelessness, and I really struggled with it. It wasn't a lifelong battle I'd come to understand how to deal with. It was a brand new, 
almost persona that I had to learn how to live with in my late 20s. I've come a long way, largely thanks to time and the fact that I chose to be proactive and seek therapy almost immediately, but I still have a very long road ahead of me. And again, being totally honest, I feel ridiculous when I get panicked or upset now because it's been three and a half years. My guest today is Amy Morrison, who I'll go ahead and say does it all. She is a counselor, coach, trainer, and all-around mental wellness specialist. She's passionate about the intersection of mental health and physical fitness and works to integrate mindfulness and breath work into her life and in the lives of her clients. When Amy works with her clients, she focuses on a holistic model of health and wellness that integrates breath work, which is selfishly why I'm so excited she's with me today, mindfulness, physical fitness, and mental health. She envisions a world where anyone can get the help they need to experience the best version of themselves. So Amy, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell us a little more about yourself, a background. How did you get into this line of work? Yeah, absolutely. So I got into this line of work because of actually a company that we met through, Lululemon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just realized, you know, from, you know, being, being there for three years and being on the leadership team, my, the thing that I loved the most was working with people and coaching people through their goals, helping them, leading them. And I found that I would be in these conversations with them and I would realize like I, I need, I would kind of like reach back into like my toolbox to mm-hmm. help them out. And I just didn't have it there. I didn't have the tools that I needed. So I decided to get my master's degree in counseling and, you know, along the way, because of just who I am, I just love physical fitness as well. And so I connected the two because Honestly, it's really fun for me to be able to have both as a means of helping people. Totally. And um, yeah, so I work as a, like you said, as a trainer and I'm certified to train people through, you know, personal training certificate and actually a company called Extreme Performance Training, XPT. Okay. And so that's a part of what I do. That's really where the breath work comes into play as well. Uh, and, you know, in therapy, you uh, oftentimes like uh, people will, you know, need to utilize mindfulness and that yeah. kind of thing in in the work that I do and so that is actually something that is becoming a really big deal and with a lot of therapists is utilizing mindfulness and breath work uh, to help people in the moment we're gonna get into that I cannot wait to talk about that yeah so what do you practice with your clients who feel anxious throughout their day like what are some personally speaking this is something that I had never experienced before and Mm -hmm. I had a really hard time working on this with my therapist right after losing my dad because I was like, it's so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. And it just, it felt so, I don't, I want to say fake. Anything that I was trying to do just mm-hmm. didn't feel like it felt natural. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what do you, how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the person, right? So that's honestly like the favorite saying of so many people. It right. depends, <laughs> you know, yeah. especially in, in therapy and, and even in physical fitness, like it, it depends. Right. So honestly, I like to talk with clients about their why, you know, what, what do you, what do they think their anxiety is connected to? Mm-hmm. And then I utilize tools that are, is useful for everybody. So yeah. I, we talk about, you know, how to utilize breath work, how to use, utilize mindfulness, you know, throughout the 
throughout the day. And then that's not even, you know, something that I'm really excited to, to share with people, you know, even in this episode and, and just in the daily interactions yeah. that I have with my clients and is that mindfulness and meditation, like it doesn't have to look like you're just sitting in a, you know, white room alone. Exactly. Right. With like small beads. Yeah. Right. With small beads. <laughs> like, no, that's not how it has to be. Yeah. What it can be is like you're sitting in traffic and what is your state like whenever you're, you're in that situation. And so I get into this conversation with the, those clients who have anxiety of, of talking about state and talking about the science behind it, mm. but also talking about their traits and how do their behaviors enforce, you know, those, those anxious, um, you know, tendencies. So I will also talk about, you know, diet with them. Oftentimes, you know, I'll have a client who comes in there like, I have anxiety, you know, I don't really know why I do this and this and this, and I have like 17 cups of coffee a day and I don't really know what that could be. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, um, perhaps caffeine yeah. <laughs> has a big impact right, on it, right, you know? Right. And so obviously that's a bit of a hyperbole, but you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So I think it's really cool. I mean, I am an aspiring LPC and I think I love, I love what you're talking about, about combining the physical fitness piece to your work as an LPC. And so Mm -hmm. can you tell me a little bit more about combining the X, the XPT? So Mm -hmm. explain that a little deeper first and then how that you do that with your clients, Mm -hmm. your mental wellness clients, whatever you call it. (laughs) Absolutely. So XPT is extreme performance training. Mm -hmm. And the name is a little bit of a, an outdated moniker, I would say for, for the way that the company functions now, because they want everybody to know that, and it's accessible. Like it doesn't, you don't have to be an extreme athlete to be able to do XPT. Right. Right. But the, the, it was born out of the idea that we need to do different things outside of typical training in order to be prepared for whatever comes our way as far as life goes. So XPT is founded, was founded by Gabby Reese and Laird Hamilton, who are athletes. Uh, you know, they've been professional athletes in the past and they wanted a way to incorporate the things that they do and sh- to be able to share it with other people. So the, it's based off of the three tenets of breath, movement, and recovery. And breath is always first and it surrounds and incorporates and is in, 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 connected, in connection to uh, the movement piece and the recovery piece as well. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, so the way that I see my, like bridging that gap is I, I utilize breath work with both my mental health clients and my personal training clients. Right now I'm working on becoming the best therapist I can be and the best personal trainer and, you know, coach that I can be. And then eventually, you know, I want to combine the two. And, you know, the way that I see that happening is oftentimes through breath work and through, you know, teaching people how to, you know, be more connected and integrated with their bodies in a holistic way. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm circling back a little bit, but I've been thinking about it truly since you started saying it about the, what meditation looks like, because mm-hmm. I think that's something I struggle with is that it has to look this certain way. And it sounds like that's what XPT has taught you is that no, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And like your breath work is the foundation for everything. And then you kind of can go from there. And yeah. some yeah. people can meditate in the car and they, they're able to meditate in like a crazy world and in the midst of like a panic attack, for example, and mm-hmm. but other people, they need like that solitude in a yoga studio. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so we can get into different definition, definitions too, because to me, the way that I oftentimes explain it, explain to people is that mindfulness is paying attention and being present in the moment. Mm-hmm. So paying attention to the present moment in that way. Uh, meditation, I see it as being more separate. 
So you kind of separate yourself and you feel a little bit of a transcendence, right? From, from your situation, from what's going on. But mindfulness to me can happen when your kid is screaming at you in the car and you (laughs) don't know what to do, but you can get connected to your body and get more mindful of what's happening in your system. And, you know, for me, breath work is a piece of mindfulness and it's a performance piece as well, because you can breathe for performance. You can breathe for mindfulness. You can, obviously we're breathing right now. So yes, yes. yeah, there's different ways you can use it. I'm shifting gears a little bit here. Um, When you and I were chatting, you mentioned that grief is such a huge part of our lives. Um, Even if you haven't necessarily experienced a loss yourself, whether you are supporting a loved one who is grieving or, I mean, I hate that I think about this, but even like with all of these awful incidents happening in our country, like mass shootings, Mm -hmm. it touches people, even if they don't, they're complete strangers, but it's, people are grief stricken. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I, I love that you say that it is such a huge part of our lives Mm -hmm. because I used to think it really was just a part of your life. If you have experienced a loss Mm -hmm. personally, Mm -hmm. Um, I think it can be really challenging as someone who hasn't experienced a loss to support someone who has. Mm -hmm. So how does this show up in your grief work with clients? Yeah, absolutely. So there's so many different directions. Yes. (laughs) And I believe that our response to grief is a systemic issue Mm -hmm. because we see someone in pain and we kind of immediately go towards, oh, they want to be left alone Mm -hmm. or we try to cheer them up and pull Mm -hmm. them out of it. Right. Yes. And so our response to grief, you know, for for others is a mirror of how we respond to it with ourselves. Wow. And, yeah. you know, for me, I would say I, I didn't have a good connection to loss and an understanding of it, you know, until going through grad school and really connecting to the fact that we all experience grief or loss, you know, in some specific Absolutely. way, yeah. even if we haven't ever lost a loved one. Right. Right. Because, we have to grieve so many things yeah. that happen in our lives. Change. You know, yeah, change, yeah. moving, yeah. not getting a job that you thought you were going to get. You right. know, the the fact that you know, it's really interesting. I have like a younger client who's 12 and she was diagnosed with celiac disease. Mm. And so something that I've talked about with her, you know, in, in her own, you know, developmental way is like, man, how, how can you be kind of sad about the fact that you won't really ever be able to eat? certain things again. Right. This is going to be a part of your life. Yeah. You know, and so instead of just glazing over it and just being like, okay, well, here's the gluten-free cupcake. It's right. like, no, 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 no. Like, this that's is, not the same. This was my identity. I'm, this is like I'm who I am. I'm separated. I'm lost. I'm disconnected from 100%. my friends because I can't have what they're having. Mm. You know, and so that's more of the work that I do with my clients. And so it can be as small as, you know, I'm grieving this, you know, knee pain that I have that's separating me from people or... I lost a parent and it was so traumatizing when I was 17, you know, or that kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's honestly beautiful. Like I, I really love, it sounds kind of strange, but I love working with people with grief work. Listen to the rest of my podcast. Yeah. (laughs) You want to talk about strange. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I think it's, it's really unique to be able to walk with someone through that because they get to have the opportunity to have their pain slow down a little bit, mm-hmm. which does make it a little bit more painful in the moment. But mm-hmm. if you can facilitate more of a connection, it really creates more of an integrated person if they're able to connect to their grief and wow. their loss. Yeah. 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 What you said about 
it being a systemic issue, the way we approach it, I, when I was in my therapist's office was the only time that I felt like I was just talking about my experience without someone trying to console me or make it better or leave me alone. I mean, it was just, Mm -hmm. I was like, I was pretty astonished at how people responded to it. And Mm -hmm. I, that's part of my attempt at this, with this podcast is to help people who are helping a loved one grieve just to say like, you can't take their pain away all the time and you need to sit there with them and recognize that it's awful. Yeah, and it's like, like a way for you to process through your grief. Right. Right? Because 100%. And, and yeah. the pain that you experienced. Yeah. And it's redeeming your experience of what it was like for you to walk through that pain. Absolutely. And continue to, right? Because it's a piece. Oh, it, yeah. It doesn't just go away. No, it's never. It changes. Yeah. It has absolutely changed. But no, it it definitely does not go away. Oh, yeah. There's like this um, awesome graphic that I've seen where grief, it's like a, there's like three pictures, three bags right and one bag I know what you're talking yeah. and I know, you know exactly what you're talking about it's so about. awesome yeah. and such a good picture because it's this huge awkward duffel bag that you probably had when you were like 14 yeah you know and like had your initials on it or yeah yep yep mine was a Hawaiian print I don't know what yours was but anyway so Camel. stuffed full of just whatever <laughs> anyway and then so then it has you know grief written on it you know in the image and then it has like a smaller like weekend away bag mm-hmm. right that maybe you got in college <laughs> mine's from Madewell and it says <laughs> grief on it right and then you have like a smaller there's like a little handbag like a little purse or yep. like a you know I don't know for a dude like a little messenger bag yeah yeah and uh, is this grief on it? You know, so the fact that like you still carry it with you, but it feels less of a burden. Exactly, hundred percent. Yeah, I know that exact. Yeah, I remember seeing that, and I sent it to my mom a lot, a few years ago, and I just I have it saved on my phone. I look at it all the time. Mm, I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So, can I tell you a little story? Actually, yes, about an experience I've had. With Please, me. I love tangents. Yeah, <laughs> great. So I had this friend, you know, in, let's say, I think I met her when I was like 10 and we were really good friends. You know, there were some, some issues. She was kind of, she was like a challenging friend at times, you know, just, um, but we also like, we got along really well and I, you know, just really enjoyed being friends with her. And then as we got older and, you know, got out of college, we really started to drift apart, you know, and at the same time, she, her, her mom actually was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's interesting because a couple of years ago, I tried to, you know, reconnect with her. And, you know, so at the time we were, we were separate, you know, we were kind of, you did this like that thing that happens yeah. with a lot of friendships. Like you start to, you know, separate like, yeah, and you totally. did just like that. And it was at the same time with her mom passing away and, I remember like texting her about it and, you know, talking to her about it. And I remember, uh, you know, I also, I went to the, when her mom did pass away, you know, I went to the funeral and, you know, obviously like showed up, you know, showed up to that and said, you know, said hello yeah. and, you know, comforted her. And, you know, I, I tried to reconnect with her a couple of years ago and she sent me uh, you know, a message where she had obviously held some things from me and she was very upset with the way that I had responded, you know, to Mm. her losing her mom. Right. And so I had to really connect with myself and take stock of the fact that I just did not show up for her in the way that she needed me to, you know, so I've been able to process that a little bit and understand that, wow, I myself haven't even been able to show up for people, you know, in the way that they, 
wanted to. And that is something that I think, I think people can learn is that you can just be there, just, just show up physically, you know, and you know, for some people, maybe it's enough to get a text message, but for her, it wasn't right. Mm. But I was so young, you know, I didn't know what she needed. I had never, I had never seen it lost like that happen before. And, you know, so I think for me, it's, it's an interesting combination, right? Cause I can grieve the fact that I didn't help her with her grief. Right. And I can have compassion on that you know, young 20 self who didn't know what the hell she was doing and, you know, have some compassion and understand like, wow, I really did, you know, mess up in that moment and understand that grief is such a complex, deep emotion that it oftentimes takes a lot of, you know, intuition and connection. And that's why I think our, we have this like systemic, you know, issue as far as our response goes. And we can begin to, you know, for me, like what I'm going to do, especially for those around me or five kids, you know, is to really show up, you know, and show how you can be that person, you know, that is able to walk with someone through their pain and through their grief. And, you know, so it sucks that that had to happen, you know, and it sucks that I had to, you know, that, that friendship had to end. And it's also, it's just a reality of life, you know, like sometimes we really mess up and we're not able to do what others need for us. And there's always room for you to redeem yourself and love other people in different ways and learn from that. So you have mentioned several times the concept of showing up for people the way they need to be. Mm Mm-hmm. Show, care for sh- yeah. exactly yeah. and but but how are you supposed to know mm-hmm. and if everyone is so different I mean I think about that too like I have experienced this I know what I want but like what if god forbid it happens to mm-hmm. my best friend loses her like I don't know how mm-hmm. do you how do you gauge what everyone needs yeah yeah without asking maybe yeah. just asking I yeah guess. yeah you can ask and you know I think you can educate yourself and I've listened to quite a few podcasts about <laughs> death and about pain and I've read a couple books about grief and so you get a little bit more acquainted you know with it and you know I have a friend who recently experienced a really significant loss mm-hmm. and I have just known you know our tendency as a culture is to leave people alone yep. in their pain yeah. and so I've just shown up for her and said like hey do you want to go do this like do you want to go yeah. I'm doing this do you want to come with me yeah hey I'm having this you know get together would yeah. you like to come and so just giving her the option to say no could even right. be enough exactly right? it could even be enough to show up for her in that way yeah and so it can be as simple as asking what they need and also understanding that you you can just simply like show up for people and stand like next to them and that's enough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But I get it. It can be overwhelming and it, it can be scary. Yeah. Right. Cause I remember my, you know, 20 year old self who was like, didn't know what to do. Right. And right. obviously I didn't, didn't do very well, you know, for my friend. And so it can be scary to think like, wow, I could mess this up. And, yeah. you know, I think oftentimes that can make us, feel more paralyzed and like we're not doing something you know that we don't do anything right but it's like if you can just do something if you can just show up for someone then that can be enough yeah yeah I personally speaking that was tough for me really tough for me in that like people didn't show up yeah like and people I was pretty surprised by Mm. and I remember I actually remember talking about this with one of my best friends who would call me every day and I never answered her and I would text her and say like I can't talk I just I can't I don't know what to say Mm -hmm. and she was like I don't care I'm gonna call you and you can answer or you won't answer right like yeah 
but I'm going to keep calling you. And I appreciated it so much. And I remember telling her about another friend of mine who fell off the face of the earth, which we were really good friends. And I was like, well, I get it. She's uncomfortable, whatever. And she was just like, well, this isn't about her. This is about you. And I was like, oh, I guess that's true. But, Mm -hmm. but I also, but I do get it at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's hard. I don't, I mean, it's so gray. Like this is so, there's no like, this is how you comfort someone and this is how you, whatever. Yeah. I wish that existed. We should write that book. That's, (laughs) there it is. Okay. (laughs) We have all the answers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm circling back a little bit to the part about anxiety because that is, that is something I, I still think about. It's been three and a half years and I still find like little instances throughout my day where I'm like, I feel like crap right now. Mm-hmm. And it takes me out of nowhere. Um, so it did manifest for you in feeling like a heart race or like your heart racing or... I have like it... flashbacks of either mm-hmm. like my sister calling me and she was the one who called me and told me. So I'll have a mm-hmm. flashback of her calling me. I'll have a flashback of talking to my dad. I'll have a flashback. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's so random and overtakes me out of... I mean, I'll be at work. I'll be with my daughter. I'll be like doing something fun. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden I... Like my face changes and mm-hmm. my husband noticed it. He's just like, what is like, oh my God, what's the matter? Mm-hmm. And it used to be three and a half years ago that I would just, I would be like crippled and mm-hmm. I would cry and couldn't move forward. And now maybe I cry and then I'm able to take a breath mm-hmm. and, and bring myself back um, to the present moment, which is something I worked so, so hard on. I, that I'm still working. I don't, I don't think you ever like finish no. just yeah, doing that and then you're that just work. like an yeah. expert at it. Right. But do you see a difference in your clients who have suffered from anxiety or depression as like something chronically, I want to say, that they've had forever versus suffering a trauma? Is there a difference? Yes. Okay, great. (laughs) Yes, definitely a difference. And the way that I have like heard about it in the past is that if something is new and kind of unexpected, then it causes much more of a significant response than if something is like, oh, I have, this is an issue, right? Mm-hmm. So the way that I've uh, heard it in the past, and it's actually, this really helped me understand it, was the idea of like, if you normally, you go to sleep and you fall asleep within like five to 10 minutes, like if you're one of those people who's just like conked yeah. out immediately, yeah. right? I envy them. Yeah. So <laughs> what'd you say? I said I envy You them. envy them, right? Yeah. Is your husband like that or? In five seconds. Oh, yeah. And yeah. snores. Right. Like so immediately. imagine if your husband didn't that didn't happen one night mm-hmm. right so maybe it took him 30 minutes to fall asleep yeah and he might lose it he might be like what's going on with me what's wrong what's happening oh my gosh this isn't normal That's this so is out of the norm okay like is something wrong yeah. with me right and so then it could cause him to kind of get into this like in that moment he could really feel out of control yeah right yeah and so but if somebody who's used to that happening, if they're used to, oh, it usually takes me a while to fall yeah. asleep, it's no big deal, I'm fine, right? Then that is something that they've learned to adjust to, right? Maybe they get to bed earlier, they yeah. do, do different things, right, they're careful right. about what they, how they get to bed, you know, that kind of thing. Interesting. So that's the way that I I yeah, generally have come to understand it, you know, as far as like a reaction can go with clients. But I have... You know, I think it's, it comes down to the why, you know, what is, what is your anxiety connected to? And if it is a, uh, you know, something that has been more of a lifelong situation versus a, 
you know, short term, you know, short term, you know, response and that kind of thing, then there, the therapy, therapy looks very different because oftentimes it can be, you know, if it's a long-term issue, it's, it's related to childhood trauma or it's related to, and you know, there's like big T trauma, right. And then little T trauma. And Mm -hmm. most of us have experienced, so most of us have experienced trauma on some level. And, you know, so that is going to be, um, it's, or it's going to be very, I mean, I'm going to be very different in the way that I, work with those people who have anxiety and at the same time there's a lot of similarities as well you know so interesting Mm -hmm. okay i have one final request can we practice a breath exercise yes okay cool absolutely so you know i was thinking about it and i was trying to decide what i wanted to practice with you Mm -hmm. and you know something that came to my mind was a breath exercise that I utilize with my clients. And this is what I use if I need them to either um, like calm down, you know, if they're feeling overwhelmed yep. or even after an exercise or a workout, like getting people into more of a relaxed and calm and receptive state. Mm-hmm. So the way that you can do that is by increasing your exhales. And so making them double the length of your inhale. So depending mm-hmm. on your abilities, you can make that, you know, as long as or as short as you need to be. So it would be a two second inhale, a four second exhale, and then it would be, you know, maybe a, you would move up to a four second inhale and an eight second exhale. And if you can make these all through, you know, both the inhales and exhales in through your nose, out through your nose, Mm -hmm. it's going to be, it's a way for you to tell your body, Hey, this is, it's time to calm down. It's time to, to be in a more relaxed, you're safe, you know? So it's a Mm -hmm. lot about creating safety in the body and creating safety in the mind. So if you're listening or if you're in here, you can just begin by calming your body down, breathing in and out through your nose. You can be in a seated position or you can be laying down. Just take a second to connect to your system. Notice anything that feels a little tight or constrained. On your inhales, really try to fill the belly up and feel it press against your pants line. And then on your exhale, let it come back and retract. We're going to move into just a cadence that I use with clients. We're going to breathe in, have a slight hold at the top, and then extend that exhale. and breathe in, two, three, hold, exhale, five, four, three, two, one. Wow. Yes. Really effective. Yeah. (laughs) And so I would just have clients do that for about five to seven minutes. Wow. And you can do that after a workout. You can do that when you're feeling overwhelmed, but that is going to be 
more of a, you know, like I said, like it's going to be more of a down regulation, right. you know, you're, you're relaxing the body, you're relaxing the mind. Mm-hmm. And there are other exercises you can do if you need to, you know, feel more, uh, sustained attention if you want to feel more present. So that is going to be a more, okay, I just need to calm my system down and relax yeah, it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just so many things you can do with breath work. It's, it's really cool. Well, we'll save that for the next podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. It was really nice to have you. This was, this was awesome. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you all for joining me. Continue to take care of yourself and remember that you have an entire community of people who get you.